1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Murray back up, Jokic fakes, spins the pirouette. And the bucket is good. 32 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists. A masterpiece from Nikola Jokic. But it's just you doing all the talking. Free throws were good for Murray. Murray a 30-point game. And Murray just got his rebound. So they have two 30-point triple-doubles here in Game 3 for the Nuggets. What an answer after the disappointing loss in Game 2 at home. The Denver Nuggets win their fourth straight road game in these playoffs. That's why he's going to the zone. Suns have an advantage up top to Aiton. Time to eat. And there you go. There's no way they can guard the Suns with three potential seven-footers out there on the floor. Delora, deep drop. Feeling the pressure. Flushed out. Delora. Floats it. Open. Touchdown. Michael Wiley. What a play. On third down and four, Borgay throws. End zone, right side, Conyers holds it in. Three touchdowns, and that one was spectacular. They have out hit the Nationals 14-5, but the lead is just 4-2. Corbin Carroll hits a fly ball deep to left field. Corbin Carroll sends one out of here. Another home run for Corbin Carroll, and it's 6-2. Four hit night for Corbin. That's his 11th, and it's a four-run Diamondback lead. Murray, end zone throw. Oh, what a catch! One-handed, DeAndre Hopkins. Quarterback run, always a possibility here, and it is for Allen and more. Josh Allen, sideline, touchdown. Josh Allen does it himself, 36 yards. Here's the 0-1 pitch, and that's hit in the air to deep left center field. Kalnick's going to go back. He's on the warning track, looking up, going to go. Gary Sanchez at it again. A three-run home run, and the Padres rally with two outs here in the third inning and extend their lead. It's 4 to nothing. 1-2. Swing and a miss, tipped into the glove behind. He holds on into ground with the strikeout to end the inning. So he faces the minimum a couple of strikeouts. He's got 11 in the ball game, and DeGrom now with 59 career games of 10 or more strikeouts. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Thursday, June 8th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7, the Nuggets, which triple double was more impressive? The Suns, should they trade DeAndre Ayton this offseason? ASU and the U of A, should they want to remain in the Pac 12? The Diamondbacks, should the Dodgers be concerned? DeAndre Hopkins, would Tennessee be a good fit? Josh Allen, 
Is it good for him and the Bills to be on the Madden cover? Meanwhile, the Padres, well, Gary Sanchez solved their anemic offense. Jacob deGrom, is he a Hall of Famer? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. Uh, 9.15 or so, NBA Finals Game 2 analysis, and we'll get into some Suns discussion. All that with James Herbert from CBSSports.com. 9.30 or so, interactive action at 602-260-1060, including the Diamondbacks and Nationals. Uh, some Wednesday analysis, by the way, today's game Diamondbacks and Nationals scheduled to start just after 10 o'clock. It has been postponed uh, because of uh, you know, bad bad uh, climate conditions. The the, uh, you know, the basically the smoke from the fires in uh, Canada is spilled into the D.C. area. So got, that game has been postponed. Will be made up on uh, two weeks from today on June the 22nd in Washington. Final segment of the Sports Zone today. It'll be the National Roundup, top by the latest line. And also from the baseball scoreboard, we'll have a couple of things from last night. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include Suns and uh, some future of the Pac-12 discussion with Doug Haller from The Athletic. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, which triple-double was more impressive, Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray? And Corey is here and has the early returns. Leading right now is Jokic at 75% of the vote there. Jamal Murray behind at 25% on KDUS1060.com. Okay, I'm glad it's not 100%. So I was a little concerned when I, I, I was having a tough time trying to I'm watching this game. And for like you know, two and a half hours, I'm thinking, what is going to be a poll question? So that's the best I could come up with. Uh, the Nuggets, of course, regained home court. Uh, they led uh, by their two stars, Jokic, 32 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Murray, 14, uh, four, uh, 34 points, excuse me, 10 rebounds and 10 assists. Uh, we'll have much more on this uh, a little later on this hour and obviously during the extra point. And in the next segment was also with James Herbert. Today's Twitter poll question, should the Suns trade DeAndre Ayton during the offseason? And Corey, what's going on here? Leading right now is yes, 70% of the vote there. No at 30 on KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter. New coach Frank Vogel spoke highly of Aiton's son's future on Monday, but Aiton's no-trade clause, as we mentioned yesterday, does expire later this month. And then last night, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported the Suns will explore trade options for Aiton. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Pac-12 claims it will stay together. The Pac-12 schools reportedly reached uh, an agreement on the language uh, for their grant of rights, uh, which would include uh, equal sharing of media revenue, this is according to Stuart Mandel, friend of the program from The Athletic. Should ASU and the U of A want to remain in the Pac-12, and is it imperative that the Pac-12 keeps its current 10-team membership? Corbin Carroll continues to shine. The Diamondbacks rookie added four more hits, including his 11th home run, 
in the Diamondbacks' 6-2 victory last night at Washington. Should the Dodgers, now two games behind the first-place Diamondbacks, should the Dodgers be concerned about uh, their front-running opponent these days, uh, the Diamondbacks? Meanwhile, DeAndre Hopkins remains a free agent. He is scheduled to visit Tennessee next week, something that was confirmed by Tennessee head coach Mike Vrabel. Would Tennessee be a good fit for DeAndre Hopkins? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, Josh Allen is the cover player on this year's Madden game. Now, gracing the cover of Madden has not always been a good thing for the player in that next calendar year. So, is Josh Allen on the cover of Madden a good or bad thing this season for Allen and the Bills? Gary Sanchez homered again. Sanchez on Wednesday home for the fourth time in his little more than one week with the Padres. Will Gary Sanchez save the Padres' anemic offense? Jacob deGrom, Hall of Famer. I heard that nonsense over the past 24 hours. After deGrom, it was announced on Tuesday, is headed for a second Tommy John procedure. Do you agree that Jacob, uh, you agree with me basically that Jacob DeGrom should not even be considered to become an NBA, uh, an MLB, excuse me, Hall of Famer? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We get to all these tremendous uh, topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline. And a sport or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060. Or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUS10. I'll start that again. KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. All right. Got it right that time. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, like I was trying to stammer my way through that Twitter handle there, and I just stammered through that. You'll be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by an NBA Finals update and some Suns talk. Scheduled to be joined by James Herbert of CBSSports.com. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion. 602-260-1060. Also, uh, we'll get to uh, the local roundup in that segment. That'll be uh, topped by the Diamondbacks from last night. And once again, uh, today's game, Diamondbacks and Nationals postponed because of the uh, the uh, situation involving you know, the wildfires in Canada, which obviously is a uh, Spilled into uh, you know, the northern United States, New York, and Philadelphia. Games postponed the last couple of days, and the same with the Diamondbacks in Washington, D.C. today. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. All right, welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. 
The uh, Nuggets regain home court last night in the finals with a dominant Game 3 victory at Miami. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Kyle Irving of the Sporting News. And Kyle, good to have you back on the show again. What most stood out to you during the Nuggets' 109-94 victory last night? I think the thing that stood out to me the most is that we are seeing one of the most special and lethal duos in the NBA today and one of the most special and lethal duos that we've honestly ever seen on an NBA playoff stage. What Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are doing right now, I don't know if anybody could have seen it coming. Uh, They were the first pair of teammates in NBA history last night, not just in the finals, not just in the playoffs, in NBA history to have a 30-point triple-double in the same game. Uh, It really was a two-man show the entire night. They still didn't get a ton of help uh, from their reserves, aside from Christian Brown, a rookie off the bench. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. still hasn't really gotten it going. Contavious Caldwell-Pope hasn't really gotten it going. But it hasn't mattered because those two guys have been so special. And right now, it just doesn't look like the Heat have an answer for either of them. You mentioned Jokic and Murray. Uh, is, Is it possible to determine which of those triple doubles was more impressive? Um, I think, you know, there were different moments where it felt like each were equally impressive. I mean, Nikola Jokic, it felt like he just controlled the entire game. I mean, he had the first 30-20-10 triple-double in NBA Finals history. Uh, It seemed like he was getting anything he wanted. There was the narrative after game two of, did the Heat turn him into a scorer? Well, last night it looked like they turned him into a scorer, a passer, a rebounder. That was some of the best defense I've ever seen Nikola Jokic play. He really commanded that game the entire night. But to me, what was so special about Jamal Murray is that in that first half, any time that the Heat started to gain some momentum, Caleb Martin had like eight straight points at one point to give the Heat a lead. And every single time, it was Murray who had a tough shot to answer and silence the crowd. So, you know, Jokic really commanded the pace the entire night, but it felt like any time the Nuggets needed a big shot, it was Jamal Murray who was stepping up. So was Michael Malone accurate when declaring that the Nuggets' effort or lack thereof was the biggest reason they lost game two? Yeah, I think it had a, you know, it it did feel like at moments that it it was more of a regular season game to them than it was an NBA Finals game. I don't know if they got complacent after game one and we saw them surrender that big lead in the fourth quarter of game one and that momentum kind of carried into game two for the Heat. But, you know, shooting variance is really... Uh, that's kind of what the Heat have been riding the entire playoffs. And, you know, they had it going from three-point range in game two, and they just couldn't really find a rhythm because of the Nuggets' defense last night. And I do think the Nuggets did a better job of staying locked in the entire night aside from, you know, kind of a fake comeback at the end there by the Heat because they just never give up. But, you know, the Nuggets on defense, they had a lot of lapses in, the se- in, the, in game two in the second half, especially late in the fourth quarter. And that defense looked like they had tightened everything up and we're laser-focused the entire night last night. The Nuggets, plus 25 rebounding last night. How can the Heat try to overcome what seems to be a physical disadvantage at nearly every position? Yeah, I mean, we knew that going into this, that Bam Adebayo is an incredible player. He's had an awesome series so far. He's doing everything he can down there uh, to, you know, kind of maintain Nikola Jokic on his own uh, because they just don't have much front court help other than that. So, you know, that rebounding disadvantage, I just don't see how they overcome that because the Nuggets are a perfectly crafted team around Jokic. They have big athletic wings like Aaron Gordon, uh, you know, just ready to dive in and and scoop in for rebounds. But, you know, he just has to do a better job of getting everybody on the glass. We saw guys like Max Struess and, you know, guards like Gabe Benson, Caleb Martin crashing the glass, uh, you know, and even Kevin Love at times, uh, even though he fell out of the rotation a little bit last night, doing their best to, you know, kind of gang rebound and make sure they get bodies on Jokic in the paint. But, 
I mean, really, I think it's all going to come down to three-point shooting if Miami is going to stay in this series. If they're not knocking down the three ball, it's going to be really tough for them to win because, like you just said, they're, they're outmatched in every other position. Okay, so the Nuggets have now won four consecutive road playoff games over a three-series stretch here. How have the Nuggets, who were basically just at least at, you know win loss wise, average on the road this season? How they how they turned into these uh, road warriors, so to speak? I think the way that the Nuggets have done it is just that it's different guys that are stepping up every night, and you know that goes for both home and on the road. But particularly on the road, you know, last night obviously Jamal Murray was the one that helped out Nikola Jokic, but on other nights it's been guys like Aaron Gordon that have stepped up. Guys like Bruce Brown have played you know, above his pay grade. They've just gotten contributions from everybody across the board. I mentioned Christian Brown, who really brought the energy last night. And Jokic, after having a 30-20-10 triple-double, gave him the credit for why they won the game, just bringing energy on defense, making the right plays, cutting at the right time, knocking down shots when he needs to. And that's what makes a team so special in, in being able to win on the road is that anybody can step up on any given night. And the Nuggets truly trust each other. They're a complete basketball team. Michael Malone can go to so many different guys in that rotation. Everyone's ready to step up and play. And that's just how you play winning basketball on the road. Kyle Irving of the Sporting News, curling the sports zone. You mentioned Christian Brown. He's 6'7". Um, he's seldom been used in some of these postseason games. He ended up with 15 last night. Why was he so successful last night? I just think, you know, I was huge on him going into the draft last year. Uh, coming out of Kansas, he just plays winning basketball. He won a national championship there last year. He won a pair of, uh, he won a pair of state championships in high school. He's just the type of player who is willing to morph into whatever you need him to be. If you need him to stand in a corner and knock down threes, he can do that. If you need him to just key in on the defensive end and come up with stops, they actually threw him on Jimmy Butler a little bit in the third and fourth quarter last night, which is you know obviously incredible for a rookie. Uh, I just think he has incredible instincts as a cutter. He always knows where to be on the floor. He's always moving without the ball. He's just the type of guy that he's in the right spot at the right time, and, and winning basketball plays happen when he's on the floor. And, you know, that's, he, he should be a role model for a lot of the prospects that are currently looking to get drafted this year because he really is kind of the model of how you stick and stay in a rotation or just stay ready when you fall out of the rotation. I've been really impressed with his play in, in this series and all playoffs. The Heat, uh, their so-called role players, were mostly ineffective uh, at home uh, where they've now lost three straight. What's happened to Miami at home? You know, they were undefeated in the playoffs before you know, that game four against Boston. Yeah, I think what you're seeing now is, I don't know if it's just fatigue or maybe, you know, after three series, teams are finally starting to take these guys seriously. But, you know, Caleb Martin is someone that obviously absolutely killed the Celtics. I thought he actually should have been Eastern Conference Finals MVP over Jimmy Butler, even though I understand why Butler won the award. Uh, You know, the the reports have said that he has been dealing with a little bit of an illness. Maybe that's playing a role, but I also think the Nuggets have done a great job of making sure that he's one of the key points of their game plan and trying to shut him out. Uh, Guys like Gabe Vincent have gotten it going, but at the same time, like, he's not going to be able to do it on his own. As great as he's been all playoffs, and he's provided Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo with as much help as possible, the Nuggets have done a good job of keying in on him as well, and then you know, someone like Max Drew, someone like Duncan Robinson, those are two guys who all season and really, I mean, their whole careers, they've been very hit or miss players. And they've had games like Duncan Robinson did in game two where he really got hot down the stretch. But you can't rely on that night in and night out. And I think that's where, you know, whether it's home or away, the inconsistency is where you don't know where their role players are going to show up. They did in every game of the Eastern Conference Finals. But we're starting to see 
you know, just kind of that inconsistency here. And the Heat don't have much margin for error. So, you know, if those guys aren't going to step up on any given night, that's where they get in trouble. Okay, so looking ahead to Game 4, we I think we all admire Eric Spolster. What, what should he try to do differently strategically? I actually do think that he should kind of go back to what they did in Game 2 where they, they weren't doubling on Jokic as much in the post. They were making sure that they stayed tight and stayed home on three-point shooters. Uh, I think he should use Jimmy Butler a little bit more on uh, Jamal Murray the same way that he did in Game 2 because I think they got away from that a little bit last night to try and stop Jokic. I mean, Jokic is going to get his no matter what. He's going to score. He's going to rack up assists. But limiting those other guys as much as possible is where they're going to win these games because they can't allow Jamal Murray to go for 30 points on a night where Jokic has 30, 20, and 10. And, you know, Eric Spolster, like you just said, he's one of the best coaches in the NBA, especially when it comes to game-to-game and series-to-series adjustments. And I I definitely expect him to come back with a different game plan, throwing something a little different at Jokic to make him think and work a little bit harder. But... Like I said, the margin for error is not very big, and their backs are against the wall right now. If they can't win tomorrow night, I think this series is all but over. So, you know, they're already small. Should they go smaller with Caleb Martin starting again for Kevin Love? It's tough to say because Caleb Martin hasn't really been playing well, but at this point I don't see why they wouldn't try something like that. Uh, Love, you know, he started last night, but he didn't play much in the second half at all. They went away from him. They've tried to use Cody Zeller. That's not really working. Uh, it's kind of a roster limitation, so I actually don't think it's a bad idea to switch it up and put Caleb Martin in the starting lineup. I mean, remember, they did the same thing against Boston in the conference finals. When they went up 3-0, they had done that with Kevin Love in the starting lineup. Once the Celtics won two in a row, they went back to Caleb Martin in the start of the starting lineup to go smaller and try and combat a bigger front court with the Celtics starting Al Horford and Robert Williams. So I really, it wouldn't surprise me to see them try and go back to someone like Caleb Martin in the starting lineup. But also, I mean, Tyler Harrow is someone to monitor as well. It doesn't seem like he's going to be ready to play in this series, but if he could come back and give them anything at all, that would be a massive boost for the Heat. So what's Michael Malone do to prevent the Nuggets from you know, going back to that fat and happy attitude, so to speak, that they might have had before Game 2? I think Michael Malone is one of the best competitors in the league as a coach. I mean, last night they showed that pregame speech uh, going into the game, his big thing was we've been outscored, I think it was like by 91 points in the fourth quarter going into game three. And he kept saying to his team, we are going to win the fourth quarter tonight. That is what's yeah. most important to us. I don't care what the lead is, we're going to win the fourth quarter. And even though they gave up that lead late, they actually did still end up winning the fourth quarter by a point. So I think it's just kind of building little games within the game to keep his team engaged. Because at this stage, I think they realize, I mean, they're the ones on the floor. They have to realize that they have the advantage here. And as long as they stay locked in, they're going to win the championship. But it's staying, it's important to stay locked in because it doesn't matter if the Heat are down by 20 points. If we learn anything in, in these playoffs, it's that the Heat are just not going to give up. They will not roll over and die. So for me, I think it's, it's Michael Malone again, just kind of creating that game within the game to keep his, keep his team engaged. And if they do, the championship is going to be there. Only one day off now between last night and the game uh, game four on Friday. Is that to anybody's advantage? I mean, if anything, I would say it's to Denver's advantage just because, again, Tyler Harrow, it seems like, you know, every game there's a report that seems like he's going to get closer to returning. And, I mean, I'm not saying he's someone that can completely flip this series around, but the Heat need offense. I mean, they've been – they were held under 100 points last night. They've had trouble getting over 100 points. I mean, even when they won uh, in game two the other night. So, 
you know, any sort of boost that he could give them on the offensive end. I mean, he was last year's sixth man of the year. He was their second leading scorer this year. He's a 20-point-per-game guy. Even if he's a little out of shape, he at least adds a threat. But the fact that there's only one game in between, it, it obviously limits him tremendously trying to come back from that uh, the two broken fingers on his shooting hand. So I would give the advantage to the Nuggets on only one night off. Talking with Kyle Irving of the Sporting News. Um, I'm going to ask you about the Suns a little bit. Of course, the Suns lost to the Nuggets two rounds ago. Plenty going on out here. Uh, Started with Monty Williams fired, replaced by Frank Vogel. Um, It was were those good moves by the organization, in your opinion? I was honestly very surprised they parted ways with Monty Williams. I mean, you know, I'm not in the locker room day to day, so I don't know if the players kind of tuned him out or if you know they had felt like they had gotten as much as they can out of Monty Williams. But I will say I did like the hiring of Frank Vogel. I mean, I thought he caught a raw deal with the Lakers in the first place. He won a championship there. And then, you know, he was fired by fired by not meeting expectations for a roster that was not ready to meet the expectations the organization set for him. I think he's one of the best defensive-minded coaches in the league. Uh, the Suns already had a top-10 defense in the NBA last year, but I think he's the type of guy that can even try and get a little bit more out of someone like DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know, they're going to have to build that roster up because there's only, I think, seven or eight players under contract going into the offseason depending what they end up deciding to do with Chris Paul. But, you know, I mean, he's the type of coach that he took those Pacers teams to the Eastern Conference Finals and had those LeBron James Miami Heat teams on the brink of elimination in those series. I mean, he took that Lakers team to a championship in the bubble, and I feel like he does have the experience to get the Suns to the championship caliber roster that they're looking to get to. You mentioned Aiton and Paul. Uh, obviously, in the last 24 hours, or probably before, but definitely during the last 24 hours, lots of stuff circulating regarding their futures. Let's start with Aiton. Should the Suns move on from him? I still like DeAndre Aiton, even though his efforts inconsistent, and I, I, you know, I feel like he almost limits himself in that aspect because he should be a better defender than he is. He should be a more uh, dominant paint scorer than he is. Um, I still believe in him. I, I still think that there is, a, you know, another level for him to tap into. I don't think we've seen the best of DeAndre Ayton. But if they feel like right now they could trade him to get pieces that are, you know, better to contribute around Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, that's the name of the game for the Suns right now. So, you know, if there's an offer on the table and someone's interested in Ayton and they feel like they could fill out that roster around D-Book and KD to, you know, make them better in the immediate future, um, then I don't see why not. But at the same time, if they do decide to stay patient, I understand that as well because I really am adamant that we have not seen the best of DeAndre Ayton yet. Chris Paul, how much has he got left in the tank, and should the Suns move on from him? I, I don't know how much Chris Paul has left in the tank. I mean, I still think he's a floor general that can help elevate a team to championship contender status, even though you know he's only been to the NBA Finals once and it was in Phoenix. Uh, that groin is obviously a lingering issue and it seems like every year in the playoffs he can't find a way to stay healthy so you know with the rumors yesterday i do understand um why they would consider waving and stretching his contract which would mean that he's not able to return to the suns but if they do decide to just wave him outright and they can cut that guaranteed number in half down to 15 million and then sign him to you know a veteran minimum if he's willing to do that to help give the team some salary flexibility and try and build out that roster this offseason then you know that would be an incredibly selfless move and if I was the Suns, I would welcome him back with open arms because he's still a great leader. Um, but, you know, if they do decide to just outright trade him, I'd understand that as well because, you know, as you and I both saw this year, Chris Paul is not the, you know, future Hall of Famer that we've seen in the past. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely lost a step. But I do think the talent is still there to contribute in a smaller role. 
if they move on from Aiton and Paul, uh, is there enough out there or remaining on the roster to build around Booker and Durant? It's an interesting free agent class this year because, you know, there's not a ton of guys at the top of the free agency pool that are, you know, very intriguing. I mean, some of the best players available, we don't even know if they're going to return or not. Guys like James Harden, Kyrie Irving, uh, even like Kristaps Porzingis in, in Washington. It's not like the Suns would be able to afford those guys anyway. But there are still some role players that are out there that, you know, I'd be curious if they'd be willing to take a pay cut to come play with Booker and Kevin Durant, who, in my opinion, are two of, you know, the more likable players. You know, you're going to a team that's competing championship when they're there. So whether it's, you know, guys like someone like Bruce Brown, who joined the Nuggets this year, I mean, he's going to have a player option this upcoming offseason. He's been obviously a, a phenomenal contributor for them. Um, if he were to become available and be willing to join that team, like that would be a great addition. There's other guys like Nas Reed, someone that, you know, could play in the front court, but also stretch the floor. He's obviously not very happy in Minnesota playing behind Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, he's another type of player that could contribute to Phoenix. So there are role players out there. It's just they're going to have to have guys that are willing to sacrifice salary a little bit because they don't have a ton of uh, flexibility there. Funny you mentioned Brown. That's exactly who I was thinking of when you were talking <laughs> about that. And he does have you know, you know history with Durant, too. And uh, the uh, you know, Nas Reed, he had uh, some good moments against the Suns this past year. Unfortunately, he had a bad moment because he got hurt against the Suns, too. But those would be interesting additions, so I'd be curious to see uh, if they could pull that off and how they might fit in. Kyle, I really appreciate the time. This has been great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Anytime. Have a good day. Anytime. That's uh, the motto that many have been kind of kind. If somebody said that to me in the past, some have thought that's a good idea long term. Some maybe not so good long term, but I'm sort of kidding. I uh, appreciate Kyle's time. Good stuff from him with, uh, as always, and uh, not surprisingly. All right. That's Kyle Irving from the Sporting News. Next segment, phone call time. If you want to get in, 602 602- 260-1060 general discussion. We'll get a little under the Diamondbacks. By the way, today's game against the Nationals has been postponed uh, because of uh, the air quality in D.C. stemming from uh, the you know fires in uh, Canada. We've seen games postponed the last couple of days in uh, New York and Philadelphia, and now it's also affecting the D.C. area. So that game has been uh, to the gate. Today's game scheduled for 10.05, has been rescheduled for June the 22nd in D.C., so the Diamondbacks will make a one-day trip to uh, back to D.C. for that contest in a couple of weeks, two weeks from today, in fact. All right, you're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. And hey, welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time, 602-260-1060 to the KDUS hotline. Get to your phone calls in just a couple of seconds. First up, uh, once again, the Diamondbacks game today against the uh, Nationals has been postponed uh, because of uh, air quality stemming from the wildfires in Canada, and uh, that's spilled into the U.S., obviously. The Diamondbacks are, right now, after last night, or is season-high 12 games above 500. 
after the uh, 6-2 victory over the Nationals. Kyle Davies uh, continued his excellent career dominance in, against Washington, uh, while Corbin Carroll added his fourth, uh, four more hits, including his 11th home run of the season uh, in the ninth inning last night. Uh, Davies, in his third start off the injured list this season, recorded his first win of the year. He allowed two runs on five hits, walked only one. Uncharacteristic eight strikeouts in six and two-thirds innings for him last night. Carroll went four for five, including the home run. Uh, yeah, that's his, uh, you know, and also stole a base. That's his 18th stolen base in 20 attempts this year. He's now hitting an even 300 with an OBP of 387. In addition to Davies and uh, and also Carroll, Emmanuel Rivera and also Evan Longoria added to their recent uh, you know, contributions. Uh, Rivera had three more hits, drove in two runs. He's now hitting 362 in 97 plate appearances. Longoria, who I foolishly suggested might be on the roster bubble last week, uh, added two more hits and two more runs batted in. He's still hitting just 225, but does have 25, 25 runs batted in in his 23 hits. Also, the Diamondbacks you know, battered former Diamondback uh, Corbin uh, Patrick Corbin. Uh, they, he allowed 11, hit, 11 hits and somehow allowed only three runs over uh, you know, six innings. Corbin, who of course was a two-time All-Star with the Diamondbacks, is now 0-3 with an 11.42 earned run average against his former team. Uh, since he left for Washington after the 2018 season. Of course, he did get a World Series championship in 2019 and got a big contract, which unfortunately for him, uh, mainly for the Nationals, he's not lived up to at this point. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. still out with the uh, right groin tightness. It was highly unlikely he was going to play today, but he has now missed three consecutive games. Likely today would have been a fourth consecutive game. So the Diamondbacks' bottom line, they've won, among other things, 8 out of 10 games. They're now tied for the most wins in the National League with Atlanta, which beat the Mets again last night. The Diamondbacks, uh, two games ahead of the Dodgers uh, after the Dodgers losing the last two nights in walk-off fashion against the uh, Cincinnati Reds. The Dodgers and Reds uh, just started their game three of that series in Cincinnati a few moments ago. And uh, to answer our you know, one of our pipeline questions, I think the Dodgers, only two games behind, are more concerned about the Dodgers than they are the Diamondbacks at that point. At uh, this point, because the Dodgers have some significant pitching issues, uh, health issues, injury issues, blister issues. They're short right now on starters and pitchers, uh, starting pitchers in the rotation, relievers and starters. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Matt and Phoenix. Hi, Matt. Bob, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good. I was going to say the Dodgers should be a little concerned. Um, maybe you were right in terms of the assessment. Uh, um, w- rather about the Diamondbacks than themselves. Um, they have massive pitching issues. I mean, the last two nights have been absolutely ridiculous what's going on in Cincinnati. Um, and... Like the Dodgers, I think the Dimebacks have the the system to make uh, one or two, if they want to, impactful trades um, and, and certainly improve upon uh, what is a really good club. So 
Um, I think there is some concern with this division if, if I'm on the Dodgers side of things. What should the Diamondbacks do trade-wise? How about Dylan Cease? Four? Uh, I mean, they have a multitude of outfield prospects. Uh, I would actually be more willing to trade Gurriel for than one of the outfield prospects would, that we're they're they're counting on for years because I don't okay. think Gurriel is going to be on this roster next year, I no matter what. Um, do they trade him more so for bullpen help or a, or a starter? Um, I, I, I would. I'm I'm not a Gurriel. Yeah, I don't either. I, I'm not a Dylan Cease guy. I think okay. that he was a, he allowed the most unearned runs in baseball last year, which yep. you know reduced his actual earned run average. And I thought we, he was highly misleading what he did last year. And he's just I think a, at best above average uh, pitcher. And I think that's been reflected on uh, him this year. The one thing, and he doesn't yeah you know, he he walks dudes. He strikes out a lot of guys. I'm not yep. sure yep. if a pitcher like uh, a swing and miss guy. Or that walks some hitters would benefit from the Diamondbacks' you know, t- tremendous defense as much okay. as some other pitchers that you know be pitch to contact guys. You know, the first guy that comes up when you say that that probably will be available is Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Um, the concern I I would have with him is it's a really good young team. Uh, I I feel like uh, a good clubhouse. Uh, and Strowman's had some issues with some guys in the past, whether it be he, yes. Toronto, and I, I've heard now reports that the Mets did not think fondly of him. Um, but, man, would he be a good fit in terms of what the Diamondbacks can do defensively. I, I agree with that, but he's a free agent at the end of the season. So are you going to trade him for two? Chicago, so it might be trade him and, and get him back in the offseason if that's what the Cubs are interested in. That's an interesting theory because, you know, I think the Cubs are definitely, uh, well, I shouldn't say definitely because I might have said differently like a month ago, but it certainly seems they're not playing well. They look like a pretty average team, and it's hard to say this, but a pretty average team that doesn't have much of a chance to even win that division. Totally. so they should be selling whatever they can. I would think that Cody Bellinger would be available too, assuming he can get healthy. Yep. Um, Keith Law. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan or not, but I do read his stuff on on prospects. Um, yeah, I listen to his podcast some too. Okay, I do too. Um, he made an argument back in the draft. Uh, I forgot the year now, but that if Corbin Carroll were six one, he would have been in contention for the yeah. first overall pick. Um, He loved him that year, Um, obviously still loves him. Um, The one thing I'm impressed with, obviously we know the speed, we know the defense, but his opposite field power for a kid his size is tremendous. And I I, I don't know that I saw that coming, considering he's probably going to fill out even more. Um, I mean, I couldn't be more impressed with this kid. Agreed. Um, In the opposite field thing, you know, he hit, I forgot who he hit the home run against, but early in the season, he had an opposite field home run here, okay. and I thought, how could that have happened? And then I actually listened to a podcast. I listened to a fantasy podcast later that day with uh, Derek Van Riper at The Athletic. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure who he was joining Derek that particular day, 
But they were actually, you know, talking, you know, there was a lot of talk in that first month of the season. I think this has maybe died down a little bit, not just with Carroll, but, you know, with others about a juice ball again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they use that as a prime example as to their okay. why, why there might be one. But I think, like I said, I think that juice ball thing has died down a little bit here. But I totally agree. Carroll's abilities are much more impressive than I thought they would be. And then what we just based on the small sample size of last year towards sure. the end of the season. Yeah, I agree. And lastly, Bob, we talked a little bit about the Central. It's going to be kind of amusing in a year or two when the Reds are running the division. Um, I think they have an extremely bright future. Um, Ellie Dela Cruz is an absolute physical freak, and I mean that in the best way. Um, they're still growing pains there. He's going to have to swing and miss in his game, but um, they're young athletic players and some upside with their starting pitching if they can keep Green and, and Lodolo healthy. Um, I, I think they have a bright future, and I think that's good for a, a, a city that's been yearning, a really good baseball city that's been yearning for something to root for for some time now. Well, I'm a Reds fan. I'm yeah. highly skeptical about this, however. They do a horrible job of developing all this That's young fair. talent, Absolutely. which they've actually had for several years. Yeah. I do not believe in Hunter Green at all as a starting pitcher. I think, okay. he's, a, again, I think he's a closer um, more than, than more than anything else. In Lodolo, I just yeah, I watch him like every other inning. I have a different opinion. Um, okay. Just wish he'd be healthy and more consistent. Uh, also, I, I, you know, David Bell, I think, is just a terrible manager. Totally with that, without question. I mean, they, they play horrible fun, including the last two <laughs> nights when yes, they, they won. Yeah. They, they, no team throws the wrong bases and does more stupid things than the Reds, and yet he's their manager, and that's the guy they have developing the young players at the major league level. I'm up against. I'm up. I'm up against it here. I apologize, Matt. Thanks for the call. Good stuff as always. All right, next segment. And uh, after news, another uh, speak, speak, speak English, Bob. A news update from Corey. The next segment uh, will be the conclusion of today's spectacular show with a short national rounds up segment. Uh, we'll get to as much as we can. We'll get to whatever we didn't get to today. During the extra point hosted by Kayla in the next two hours, that will also include uh, a Suns and ASU UVA slash Pac-12 discussion uh, with Doug Haller from The Athletic. So a lot still to come today between now and noon right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlelux HD 2 100.7. Time for today's National Roundup. All right, real quick, and I mean really quick, uh, final segment of today's show. Obviously, last night, the NBA Finals, which we talked about earlier this hour with uh, Kyle Irving from the Sporting News. Uh, The Nuggets regained the home court advantage. We'll have much more on this in the next two hours during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. So looking ahead to Game 4, which is Friday night, only one game in between here. The Nuggets, not surprisingly, a three-point favorite. 
they were three. They actually went off at three and a half last night in most locations. I guess there were a couple of fours out there. I'm told. I never saw those personally, but I'm told that there were a couple of fours out there in the planet. Uh, so Denver, a three-point favorite on Friday night. Total two ten and a half after last night's lower scoring that anticipated game by most. Uh, also from the baseball scoreboard, Gary Sanchez and the Padres I mentioned in the first hour. Can he save their offense? I doubt he can actually save their offense, but he's uh, been amazing. He's got four home runs in basically six days as a Padre uh, so far after they claimed him off waivers from the uh, from the Mets uh, about uh, you know 10 days ago or so. Juan Soto also had his first career five-hit game yesterday for the Padres as they won easily. Wow, they actually scored runs and got hits. They did did it all, but uh, they routed the uh, they routed the uh, you know the the you know, the, uh, you know, the Mariners yesterday eleven uh, ten to three. Excuse me. Also, the Mets uh, beat the Braves again last night. Max Scherzer battered uh, pretty badly uh, after he had a big lead in that game or a, a decent lead in that game. So we'll see. Once again, the Diamondbacks game postponed today against the Nationals because of the wildfire situation and uh, air quality, etc. in D.C. Uh, and uh, that's it for today's Sports Zone. Sorry about the short segment here. Did a job, poor job of managing the final segment time-wise. My bad on that. But uh, we'll make up for it in the next hour. What I didn't get to today in this segment we will get to in the, over the next couple hours, a lot of it, during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. So stay tuned right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7.